Praise God. We serve such a, an awesome God, and it's so great that um, on a Sunday morning, we could be, you know, we could choose to be anywhere else. There's people out there playing sport. There's people out there having brunch. There's people out there doing whatever they're doing. But, but I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. So it's a privilege and an honor to be in his presence uh, where we can be, where his healing virtue will flow, where we can hear from the almighty God. Amen. It's a privilege that he's called us here. He's drawn us here by his spirit, by his word. You're not just here by just chance, but God has drawn you here to be here on this day, in this place, to hear from his word so that it would touch your heart and you would bear fruit for him in due season. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, I just want to thank the church. I want to thank Pastor, who's watching, I believe, um, for the opportunity to minister here at, at Malaga. I think it might be the first time that I've ministered here for since we've moved back um, uh, from Sydney. Uh, and it's a humbling experience. Um, I've heard from the Lord, and the title of the message this morning is Our Failure to His Success. Our Failure to His Success. You know, there's um, thousands of books written on failure. There's thousands of books written on um, being successful. And I remember when I finished high school, um, everyone had this book, and we all uh, filled out each other's books, and we would write advice to, um, you know, we're graduating, you know, now is the time, and here's some advice from a 17-year-old to another 17-year-old about life. Um, You know, we wrote things like, you know, be the best you, uh, embrace your heart, follow your dreams. The biggest adventure you can ever take is to live your life and your dreams. The way to choose happiness is to follow what is right and real and truth for you. And, you know, this is the advice that the world gives. It sounds all warm. It sounds nice and fuzzy and inspirational when you're graduating high school and you're like, yes, I need to follow my my dreams and need to follow my heart and just pursue my happiness and what, what makes me happy. And looking back at that, I just realize, reading through those comments, that it's actually the opposite of, uh, of what the Word of God says. And you can read that book, and then you, we've got the Bible, and that is the book that we trust in. Amen? The Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's the opposite of what the world thinks. Um, and this morning, I would like to begin with uh, failure, our failure. Who here has failed? At what? At anything, anything. You know, maybe it's a business, maybe it's a job, maybe it's at work, it's a project or assignment, perhaps it's a test. We have uh, a failed relationships. You know, we've failed people, we've failed God. Um, I remember the only F that I ever got um, throughout high school was in Japanese. Um, that Yeah, the only thing I learnt in that class was konnichiwa. Uh, 
There's nothing else I really remember. Um, I remember trying out for a baseball team and I would wake up every morning early and go to practice. I put my best effort in um, and I still didn't get in. There was this other guy that just rocked up, hit some home runs and he made the team. And I just thought, you know, I tried so hard. Um, I remember countless interviews where I went for a job. I just didn't get the job. I just flopped. I had a, I've had a failed engagement in the past. And I could just go through many, many more countless times where I've, I've failed. A failure, it's just simply the, the lack of success. So we have all failed somewhere along the way. Failure is it's a part of life. Failure has been with man from the very beginning. God gave Adam and Eve one command of what they should not do. That's all he told them. He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've got two girls, and when you tell them, don't do this, that's exactly what they want to do. And God, he put the tree there to give them a choice, to give them a choice to obey him because God wanted them, wanted them to love him. And so he, love is a choice. You can't force someone to love you. It's a choice that's been, that you have to make of yourself. So he gave them that choice and they failed God. They were tempted and they fell short. The consequence, there's always consequences. The consequence of the failed choice was death. It was corruption and a broken relationship with God. And so for you and I, our story too begins with failure. I have failed God, not because I got the F in Japanese or because I didn't make the baseball team, but I have sinned. I have stolen, I have cheated, I have lied. And that list, it could go on and on and on. That next slide is um, the scripture in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned, we have all failed God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that word sin, you think it's such a horrible word. It, it actually just simply means it's, it's like an archer that's shooting for a target and, and misses the target. And see that image up there? And that's what sin is. You're shooting for a target, but you, you miss continually. And there is no way of getting around this fact. If you point to yourself, you can say, I have sinned doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa, if you're the Pope, you're the superintendent of the UPC church, if you're the Queen of England, the president of USA, it doesn't matter your race, your gender, your class, you've still sinned, you've still trespassed against God. And I don't wish to break this to you, but you are not perfect. And to prove this, when you get home today, I want you to ask your, your mum or your dad or your wife, your husband, ask them, am I perfect? And you'll receive a response. It might hurt your pride just a little bit, but you will get over it. Even Paul, the greatest missionary in the New Testament, he started many churches. He penned half the letters in the New Testament. He performed miracles and wonders. And even he would write, this is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Paul, an apostle, was 
He says, I'm the chief of sinners. All have failed. All have missed the target from Adam until now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's the next slide, says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. That's me. That's you. That's who Paul's talking about. And you might be thinking, you know, I woke up this morning to come to church and I really wanted to hear this inspirational message and and we have this guy standing at the front telling me that I was an extortioner or an adulterer or a fornicator or an abuser or a drunkard. I, this is not what I really asked for this beautiful Sunday morning. But, that next slide, but this is the most amazing news. However, nonetheless, there is more to this story than what was just said. But, amen, you and me, we are washed. We are washed We are sanctified, we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amazing. Such were some of you, but we are washed. There is hope, amen. We have a name, amen. There is a spirit, amen. You and I, we are washed, we are justified, we are sanctified. To wash, it means to be cleansed, amen. You're washed when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Your sins are remitted. You're not just washed. Your sins don't just get washed away, but you're sanctified, which means you're made holy. That means you're separated from the world, and now you belong to God. Amen? And you are justified. It's just as if you hadn't done it. It's just as if you hadn't failed. See, God forgives our sin. But he doesn't just forgive our sin and leave us in this sort of neutral position. But he imparts his righteousness into your life. So that, that, that unrighteousness, that sin, the idolatry, the adultering, the, all those things that such were some of you, God takes that away and he imparts his righteousness into you. And his love is not contingent on merit. It's not contingent on what you do, whether you fail or you succeed. There is nothing that you can do to earn his grace. Nothing that you can do right now to earn his favor. The blood of Jesus is priceless. You can't buy it. He gave it to you freely. He freely gave his life for you. He set it down. It was his will that he wanted to do that. And God made a way for us to be saved. Amen. He To restore the failed relationship. And that, my friends, is the good news. That is the good news that he restored our relationship with him. That he made a way. Acts chapter 2. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached Christ 
crucified. And the people that were there, they were consenting. It was just 50 days earlier. They were consenting to the death of Jesus. And Acts 2.36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. And they heard this. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They responded to his preaching, saying, We have failed. We allowed an innocent man to be murdered. We allowed the Son of God to be crucified. And Peter responded in verse 38 with the good news. Yes, you have failed. But there is good news. There is hope. Peter said unto him, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That was 2,000 years ago. But the promise is unto you. We are living in that book of Acts today. We have failed God, and the promise stays with us today. You can repent. This morning you can be baptized. You can receive the Holy Spirit. That promise is here today. You can make peace with God. You can't earn his, earn his grace, but you can respond to it. And it begins with repentance. See, the condition of your heart is so important. If we want to move from failure to success... Jesus, the God revealed in flesh, the everlasting Father, the one who made this universe, all the stars, the one who made you and I that formed us in his image, he became a man and he preached and he taught thousands of people over three years of his ministry. And many of those people, they rejected him. They wanted to kill him. They hated him and they despised him. And by the same token, there were many that loved him. There were many that followed him. There were many that listened to him and desired him. You look at the different responses. Peter and Judas. Peter, he denied Jesus. But Peter found a place of repentance. Judas, he betrayed Jesus. But in the end, he committed suicide. There was the rich young ruler who wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, sell all you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. Follow me. The same phrase that he used with Peter and Andrew and John when they were fishing. He said, follow me. The same call was made to those two. But you find the rich man said, He turned away sad because he had too many possessions. Whereas the Peter, James, Andrew, John, they followed Jesus. It's the same instruction, but there were different responses. And so so starkly different. How? Why? How could this be? See, God will not override your will. I like what one preacher said. He will not force you into heaven against your will. 
if you don't want to be with God here on earth, what makes you think that you want to be with God for eternity? (laughs) That would be hell to you. He's not going to force you into heaven. See, it was the condition of the heart. He was looking at the heart. The parable of the sower and the seed. That next slide. Um, And I've been listening to a series with Brother Woodward. He's preached a four-part series on this recently called Dirt Poor, and it was really insightful. Um, So I've taken some of that stuff from from there. Uh, If we turn to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read the narrative because we really need to understand uh, what Jesus is talking about, and then we're going to start to uh, apply the scripture. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 3 says, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony grounds, where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up, And choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And then down to verse 9, and who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then down to verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. So here Jesus now explains what uh, what the parable means. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth, catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. But he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, and by it he is offended. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, and also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. So, the, the condition of the soil is the condition of our heart. When we examine this parable, the only difference in each situation was the soil, was the heart. It wasn't the sower, it wasn't the preacher, it wasn't the seed, it wasn't the word of God, it wasn't the weather, it wasn't the situation that we're going through. The only difference is the condition of the soil the condition of our heart. Now our heart, our heart is not, uh, it's not an organ, the organ that is pumping blood. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's the seat of your will. It's the seat of your decisions, of your choices, your thoughts. Adam and Eve, just like Adam and Eve, we can make uh, life and death choices. If we go to that um, next slide, in Deuteronomy 30, says, 
I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. You have a choice that both thou and thy seed live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, thou mayest cleave to him, for he is thy life and the length of days, and thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Your will, your choices, your decisions, they all, they originate from, from your heart. I should say your heart. God's desires, God desires you to make the life choices. But he set them both before you, life and death choices. He desires for you to choose him and not to choose yourself. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitfully, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart needs to be changed. Amen? My heart needs to be changed. Our heart, it needs to res- receive and respond to, the God, to God's word. We need heart surgery. See, God made you for a purpose. The Bible says in Christ we are new creatures. A new, we have a new life. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are a new creature in Christ. We are new creatures. God wants us to have a successful life. But it's not based on how the world measures success. It's not based on the amount of money that you earn or perhaps the, the job position that you have or the, the house that you have and all your possessions or you know where you travel to or how you look or what Facebook says. People measure their success by what they see on their images on social media these days. God doesn't care about that. That's not success. How many followers, followers you have? But success is based on how he measures success. So the question then becomes, how does God measure success? That's quite easy. It's the fruit. God desires to make you into his image, to build you up with his character. It's an investment that will bring returns to him. It's not about the success of my life and how great I'm doing and all the things that I've got. But the success is about him receiving the glory. And fruit is that measure of success. First Corinthians, the love chapter talks, says, If I give my body to be burned... And I give away all my possessions, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. I'm like sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. What's the point if you, if you go to church, if you pray, you fast, you prophesy, you do all these things, but you don't ever produce fruit? Your life doesn't actually sh- show forth Christ. There is no love. There is no joy. There is no peace. There's no patience. There's no kindness, gentleness, self-control. You just... We're just ticking a box. If people don't see Jesus, what is the point? If I, if I don't love my wife, if I'm not faithful to her, if that fruit isn't there, if I'm not patient with my colleagues at work, if I don't have self-control with my children, if I'm not really a peaceful and a kind person to be around, 
people don't see that fruit, then what's what's going on? Where's the measure of success? Is it that you have a position? Is it because you've got all this stuff? How great you are? No. It's that he would increase, that we would decrease. His desire is to make us a perfect reflection of him. Not this cookie-cutter Christian, but a reflection of him. And this is what success looks like, that we would be like him and that we would know him. Amen? So if success is, is the fruit, then where does the fruit come from? And we talked about that there. If we can go to the next slide, I think it's the one on the uh, good soil. Fruit, it can only grow in good soil. Uh, I think it's the one before that. Only in the good soil is there a reaction with God's word. Amen? Your heart needs to be cultivated. It needs to be prepared. It needs attention. And that comes from intimacy with Jesus. It comes from obeying God's word. It comes from following his spirit. And as you and I, as we desire God, as we spend more time with him, then we become more like him. And then we bear fruit. But there's grounds. There are grounds that prevent uh, the growth of fruit. So it's the, now we're on to the wayside one. <laughs> um, there are grounds that prevent the growth of fruit. The heart of the wayside. So as we go through these different ones, perhaps you might identify with some of them. In this ground, your heart is hard. The moment you leave church, the devil is there, ready to steal that word away that you've heard. Because you're here, right? You're sitting here, you're hearing what I'm saying, you're hearing what God's saying to you, but you don't understand it. There's no comprehension there. There's no place for God's word to land in your heart. You know that saying, it's just falling on deaf ears. My mum used to say that all, all the time. just falls on deaf ears. I keep saying this, we're teaching Adelaide at the moment, First time obedience, the first time. We're not doing very well. Um, but, you know, it, it's like God keeps telling us and telling us and it just falls on deaf ears over and over and over again. This was the heart of the Pharisees. They were these super spiritual people. But they had no place for a relationship with God. And here is where we... We need to open our heart to God. There is a need to be vulnerable to God, to have intimacy with him. When I was courting my wife, you know, I, I couldn't just say I love you from a distance and I couldn't just, um, I, th- there, has to be, there has to be some vulnerability. When you, when you first meet someone and you start to get to know them, there's some walls that you put up. You know, you don't want to show them certain things and you just want to look the best whenever you see them. And, and, and then as soon as you start to get to know people, those vulnerabilities start to, start to show. And then when those vulnerabilities start to show, you start to feel a bit open. And when, when you leave yourself open, 
that leaves the possibility of being hurt. That leaves the possibility of being broken, of that person, um, you know, betraying you or hurting you. But without that openness, you, you, without that vulnerability, you won't get the benefits either. You won't get the, the closeness, the intimacy, the, the companionship, the joy and, and the building of, of our, your lives together. The, the, you, can't, you can't just have one without the other. You, there, there has to be an intimacy and closeness. And sometimes we harden our hearts because of hurt that's happened in the past. We harden our hearts because of what people have said. And Hebrews 3, 8, 9 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You can't just keep going on like this. But we need to soften our heart to God's word. Be vulnerable to him. Open your heart to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The next heart, the heart of stony ground. Um, I couldn't find the image that really depicts this. You know, people aren't really going to throw seeds on this ground. But when, um, the, when Jesus was talking about this, it was actually, it wasn't the stones on the surface. When the farmer would go to um, sow the seed, it was actually a layer of rock a couple of feet underneath the, the soil that the farmer didn't know that was actually there. So he would just sow it there. He would sow the seed and it would look fine. But roots, the root couldn't, couldn't take so this ground is shallow. It has no depth. This, the seed would grow, but then after time, the plant would die. So with this heart, today you, you may hear God's word and you might receive it with joy. You might dance, you might sing, you might praise. But when persecutions come and trials come, there is no endurance. There is no resilience because it's just about feeling and emotion. When offense comes because of the word, there's no deep root to draw strength from. So the word dies. And this is the, the shallow heart, the stony ground. And the third one, the heart of the thorny ground, where the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I think about this one as the busy heart. It's not necessarily evil things. It's not like we may be um, uh, stealing and you know doing all these really bad things, but it's just things, just stuff um, that just crowd out and strangle God's word. It's just we're busy with the cares of life. We're busy with school drop-offs and we're busy with work. We're busy with church and family and social media. We're busy with our sports and our politics. And these in and themselves, they're not evil. They're not wrong. Like, there's nothing. You've got to take care of your family. <laughs> you know, you, you, you need to go to work. You need to provide for your family and you need to eat. You, you know, you might be interested in sports. And th- those types of things, they're not wrong or bad. It's just stuff. But the problem is the priority. The problem is what are the priorities in our lives? When we're measuring these things, you can probably name them. Where do they sit on our priority list? And if I was to admit of these grounds, this is the ground where I find myself sometimes. Just caught up with work. Just 
you know, wanting to do things around the house, new renovations or spending time with family and church things. That the, these, these cares of life that slowly just begin just to choke God's word. So we're not receiving it. And it comes up at the same time as, you know, we've got God's word and we see, we see it growing in our lives. But then there's these other things that just sort of come up and come up quickly and then just choke God's word. So the thing that God wants us to receive, we, we don't receive it because we're just, just busy doing other stuff. When the sower, today that sower is me, um, when he sows the word of God, what would be your response today? How would you react? I don't mean will you just come to the altar. I mean, what will you be your response when you exit those doors? The condition of your heart is directly connected in your response, in your response to Jesus. It's directly connected in your reaction to the word of God. Jesus said, if you, lo- if you love me, obey my words. And so how will you respond to God's word today? You know, you can choose the soil. Hosea ten twelve says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You can break up those, the fallow ground, those weeds and those stones. You have the choice. You have the choice to allow God's word to speak to you. To pray that prayer. God, it's not my will, but thine will be done. Thy kingdom come. When you leave these doors, you can decide, hey, you know, I'm not going to go to those places that I've gone to before. I'm not going to hang out with those people that I was hanging out before. I'm going to make a commitment to attend church, to pray, to read my Bible, maybe to start a Bible study, to make close friends in church, to really seek after God. See, these things that it's not, we can't be like that shallow ground where it's just a feeling because the feelings and emotions we have, God's given them, but they, they come and go. My daughter wakes up some mornings, she's in a really good mood and we, my wife has an awesome day and then I'll come home the next day and we have the other daughter and we don't know which one's going to wake up sometimes. And sometimes with us, you know, we, we're a bit more emotionally mature than that. But we have emotions. We go through things. And these feelings, they will come and they will go. That's why following your heart is just, just such bad advice to give people. It's a decision. It's a choice to obey God's word no matter what. That you will follow Christ. That you would be his disciples. When Jesus said some hard sayings, the disciples, there was disciples there and they turned away from him and Jesus turned to them and said, will you also go? And they said, to where shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Where will we go? The only one that has the words of eternal life is him. I've got us, Sister Cass, to come up. So you, you choose the ground. And that requires some discipline. It requires some resilience. 
requires some guts, some boldness, some courage, requires faithfulness, and it requires trust. But the amazing thing is that God, you know, he doesn't leave us on our own. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Spirit can dwell inside you and I. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, there is actually, there's no excuse because Jesus cannot fail. He made everything. He doesn't fail. It's a bit hard to understand. I love that song. I won't sing it, but it's that song that says, you have no rival. You have no equal. Yours is the name above all names. You know, imagine this. You play on a soccer team or basketball or cricket and that team just never loses. It never fails. That's who we have. We're partnered with a God that never fails. Or think about this. You're investing in an asset with a guaranteed success at a minimum return of 30-fold. Some 60, some 100. Now, some people are into this Bitcoin and shares and all that kind of stuff. This is guaranteed. Amen? Someone told you, give me $1 and I'll give you $30. I would be selling everything and be giving it to them and say, I want that. Give me that. But it's his success. Let's stand. We'll... Will offense come? Yes. Will discouragement come? You betcha. Will there be trials and will there be temptations? Are people going to trespass against us? Of course. Is failure going to come? Yes, we will fail him. But you always have the word of God. It will never pass away. Micah 7 says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall. See how he said when? You know, we we fall. We fail. When I fall. See, it's not when you fall. It's what happens after that. That's the difference. Judas failed. But what did he do after that? Peter failed. What did he do after that? David failed. Saul failed. All these men and women of God, they failed. You could speak to Pastor, you can speak to Brother Gavin, anyone here. We've all failed. But it's what happens next that matters. I shall arise. I shall arise. That is the choice that you need to make today. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light for me. You will arise. Make that choice. You can repent today.
God is here. His presence is here. His power is here. His peace is here. You can find repentance at this altar. When you fall, you will arise. You can be baptized. You can be cleansed today. You can receive His Holy Spirit today. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. Jesus can begin a work in your heart today. He will help you to change the soil of your heart. This altar is open. If you'd like to come and spend some time with the Lord, you you can come here and we will pray with you. Maybe you need to do some gardening in your life. Bring those failures. Bring those stones. Bring those thorns. And set them at the feet of the cross of Jesus Christ. Ask him to change your heart. That one day you will bear fruit for him. And our failure and your failure will turn to his success.